skin itch and you start to scratch. Skin sores. Kidney disease. Rheumatic heart disease. Rheumatic fever. Frosted scabies. Streptococcal infection. Preventable. Treatable. That's where all the sickness comes from. Though long banished to the history books in the modern urban setting, scabies is a disease that is an everyday reality in the remote Indigenous communities of the Northern Territory. One Disease is a not-for-profit organisation that aims to eliminate crusted scabies, the most serious form of the condition, as a public health concern. In this podcast series, we scratch the surface to reveal the history and origin of scabies, current treatment strategies, and just how One Disease plans to achieve their ambitious goal. Scratching the surface, the scabies story. G'day, and welcome to another episode of Scratching the Surface, the scabies story. I'm Brad Firebrace, and here with me in Studio G in Darwin, two ladies with long and distinguished careers working in various fields of Aboriginal health in the NT. Bernie Shields. Bernie or St. Bernadette. St. Bernadette. And Marlene Little. Hey Brad. And of course, my regular offsider Jacko from One Disease is here to join the conversation. Hi Brad. Bernie, to you first. You started out as a health worker in the 70s. Could you tell us about your experiences with scabies back in those days? Well, I'd say the first time I came across it was when I started work at East Arm, which was our leposarium, but I enjoyed it. I started there as a cleaner, but a lot of us that worked there, we were family. So how I got the job was my aunt and uncle worked there and then they were going on holidays. So I took my aunt's job as a cleaner because nepotism was live and well. We had cousins, my brothers, we all worked there. We, we learned on the job. So then I then took on the role of health worker. So then you know, became a clinician, yeah. And I remember I was working one time and this lady had come in from the community and Dr Hargraves was there, you know, and he was very cluey with this thing, very, I mean, he he was an expert. We had our own theatre, which we worked. And she had come in, but she didn't want him to examine her and that because she was frightened he was going to either cut her leg off or cut her hand off or Mm. things like that Mm. because... You know, their nerves are damaged, so they can't feel if they're near a fire and things. But he just spoke to her and he spoke strong and talked to her straight. And after that, she was fine. I mean, what she needed was to have treatment. So that didn't happen. During the dry season, when they would go out camping, we would have a lot would come in with burns because they don't know they're too close to the fire or pick something up and they've burnt. And I remember one lady, bless her, she's telling that story. Yeah, you know, and that time I was there sleeping, I can smell them, that beef cooking. I look, my foot was cooking, will you? That <laughs> <laughs> stuff. But you oh, could laugh. But there is a serious thing because they don't, they, they don't know, you know. But during that time is when I first then saw scabies, but what I believe to be the crusted one. At that time, from what I recall, they didn't call it anything. You know, there was just this lady because a lot of the people that were there were from remote communities. But East Arm was a place that was like home away from home, really. I mean, they were separated from their families because the fear, you know, the biblical days, you know, ring the bell unclean and that. But there it was a safe place. And, you know, we just became one mob. You know, we weren't staff and patients. We were East Arm mob. And even I would take my boys when they were small 
come to work with me. But then this lady came in from one of the communities and she had all these, and wherever she was, you could see where she, she had sat down and in her bed and all that. And I was working in the women's ward at the time and even the women, and some of them had one leg and, you know, fingers missing and clawed hands and that. But even they were getting nervous because they didn't understand what this lady had. And they were, yeah. But during that time, she had treatment and it was a different treatment to how we treated the other ones with the, I call it Hansen's disease now, the leprosy, but, you know, hard skin. And it was nothing for us to be pulling at bones and cleaning up and ulcers underneath and that, and the treatment then was, I think it was Condi's crystals, where we would fill the bath and she would soak in the bath. And during that time, her skin cleared up. Yeah, you talked about back in the 70s, so unknown to today's society. So you want to talk a little bit about what Condi's crystals are or what well, you form would do, they you would, I'm in 75 or? now and i got to pull that out of my memory. Yes, I was only a young so girl yes. then, please. Yeah, I, yes. You, you still got Goodness that good memory. me, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Is, it was like a crystal type and you put it and the, the water changed colours. I'm not sure if it was pink or purple. Or purple. Yeah. See, Marlene, no? Yeah. Did you have bath in Condi's crystal? I, no, I didn't. I you didn't. had scabies? I didn't. I might have come from Gap Cottages, but no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, and this lady, she was lovely too. She used to like watching cricket because in those days I think might have been Dennis, Lily, all them mob playing cricket and the women's mm. thing at TV there. And she, mm. out of all the mob, she would be there watching cricket. While she's having a Condis crystal bath, No. Oh, no? <laughs> talking language <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, just, colourful, no. Colourful, colourful. <laughs> yeah, no, no. When she was just in the ward, you know, okay, and that okay. watching, yeah. yeah, watching cricket. And would you wow. believe, in years later, I met this lady she, when I was out visiting one of the communities, and she still remembered me, and her skin was perfect. Yeah. The sad thing in all of this is, you know, this was back in the seventies when I first saw it, and scabies is still around oh, yeah. with all this medical knowledge and technology and going to the moon and every which way. How come? That's a bloody good point. I think that there'll be all questions asked when people say, geez, this, this is too long for this to be going on. And I think that uh, the population it affects, mm. it'd probably be labelled as a rare disease for mainstream Australia in mm. regards to scabies. I think a lot of it, you know, what it leads to, I think a lot of it is um, lack of knowledge. Like why are they getting this? needle that's going to hurt them so much and the mother refuses the needle sometimes for that child, child you know, because the kid's screaming. Yeah, knowledge you talk about, so important, medical comprehension, you know. Mm. But if you've been living with this illness and see it every day for years and years and years... Yeah, they normalise it. It becomes a way of life. And because, you know, you don't like to rubbish the clinic staff, but they don't really give the mother enough information about this, what'll happen, because I say to them all the time, you always ask that nurse what that needle's for. And I say, if you don't put that cream on regularly, then that kid's going to have to have the needle. So what about you have the needle first to see how much it'll hurt? So that stuff, health promotion stuff, is just not out there, is it? No, but I know they did try and I think they had a program 
about eradicating scabies from the yeah. territory where they would then go around to each of the communities and have weeks where they would talk to people, get them to bring all their clothes out, put it in the sun because that'll kill the, the bug, you know, hang all their bedding over the fence and that yeah. and leave it in the sun all day to try and get rid of the bug. They would have, you know, weeks where they would try and do that to get rid of it out of the communities, mm. but it still it's comes back because if you take into account the overcrowding of housing, you know, how our mob like to live and sit down and all of that, you know, and when you got new bub come, well, everybody, mwong, mwong, mwong with that baby and that, and if, you know, without them knowing, so this child is getting it and then it's passed on. So my question is, where did it come from in the first place? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Now, what I understand, it came over Captain Cook days. No, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, because we, we talk Captain about human, Cook. this is a human-to-human <laughs> contact to infect someone with scabies. So you're looking at prisoners, you know, in um, unhygienic, uh, unsanitary conditions in close quarters to one another. That's one theory, okay? I'm not saying that it's that. Then we have the wartime when soldiers were in the same type of conditions, you know, close contact, unsanitary, unhygienic conditions. So because the one fact of the matter is this isn't an Indigenous illness. Scabies didn't come from Indigenous people. Scratching the surface, the scabies story. Brought to you by One Disease. To scratch a little deeper, head to onedisease.org. Because you know what's not happening now is um, health promotion, um, primary health care stuff, nothing like that's happening now. It's become very much clinical, clinical. so everything revolves around the health centre, whereas the way we worked, we went with the local people there and sit down with families and you'd be amazed then with their lack of knowledge. Because even I was in one of the communities and I was sitting there talking and touching on rheumatic heart disease, she'd asked me what it was and I was surprised because that tells me how much of those stories are coming out to where it's needed. You've got to take that story out of the clinic. There's four walls, bricks and mortar. Take it out and sit down. But in saying that, you need the right people in how you share the stories. And that. And it's not about blame. It's not about people don't care. It's just that it's how information is coming. Remembering English, not their first language. Mm. They may speak many languages, but English. So, you know, once you take that, you've got to process it and how it comes out. And that all takes time. And, you know, the, the way we worked, that's very much how we worked. And people come up with their own solutions and their own answers in what they need to do. But, you know, and they got rights. And their right is that when they get the story, it's the right story and the time is given for them to come up with what's best and works for them because we still have a lot of babies being born but the thing is the scabies is still around. Yeah and you don't hear anything about that sickness or any sickness 
in the early days, like the bungalow days, and because my mother was in the bungalow. Tell the listeners about the bungalow days, Marlene. What's that? That was where a lot of the half-caste people were taken away from their families and put in the bungalow. Some of them were taken away. Bungalow of... like a compound, as in Carlin compound, where yeah, they did the yeah. same thing in Darwin, you know? Is that... Yeah, but I never heard but of any But you never sickness. saw any scabies during those days? No. I didn't see scabies till I started working with health promotion in the top end. And the bungalow days were in the early 70s, late 60s, something like that, or even... Oh, earlier than that. Before 45, because I was born Mm. in 45. My mum was in the bungalow. So we only really saw this and became aware of it as adults, because I grew up Garden Point Mission days, you know, the stolen gen stuff and that, and you never saw it around then, even with the countrymen out there though in those days you know we were half caste because you know that's color skin Mm. and they were called the natives but you didn't see any of those type of illnesses now that we've got which is really really sad because you know so many of our mob nurse married up to that dialysis you know and then the little ones with the rheumatic heart disease and some of it you can lead back to scabies could maybe have played a role in this Yes, Bernie, uh, from my understanding and during my days at uh, Menzies on rheumatic fever, so you have a skin sore or scabies infection, you get itchy, you scratch it, you have an opening. Mm. Mm. This allows then for that, you know, microscopic bacteria to get in that opening into your bloodstream um, and doctors need to become better at diagnosing it and looking for the symptoms so they can get to it early because this is a preventable, treatable and curable illness, yet it's affecting a lot of our people. It's unacceptable. That's where I think that this scabies is, if we can stop that, then there's that less chance of manifesting into chronic illness such as renal disease or rheumatic fever, you know? Yeah, and that sort of information needs to get out to those young yeah. mothers. Yes, and it needs to start at the school. You know, make health educators out of our children. Because they become the best little educators because then they go home and share these stories and which might take into account then how things are transmitted and in terms of overcrowding. Scratching the Surface, the scabies story. Brought to you by One Disease. Is that still happening today? With the leprosy? Yeah. I think there might be the odd case presents and stuff. Yeah, Up here but, uh, in the Northern Territory? In, in the Territory, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the older ones now have passed. And There's stuff. still a lot of card games going around today, Brad, but no one throws their hand in. <laughs> you happy now? <laughs> yeah, you got that one out. <laughs> You've been waiting for that one, eh? You've been waiting for that. Yes, but... um. Hmm. But uh, no, it, it was good. But you know what I saw in there? The strength of them mob. Because they never mm. whinged. They never played poor bugger me. And I, if anything, I reckon for me, that's where I did my growing up and where I learned so much and made me grow stronger in myself. But also seeing the importance mm. of how sometimes people can hurt people. Sometimes mm. not even knowing. Because, you know, people would ask me where I worked. And if I said, 
East Arm. Where's East Arm? A lot of people didn't know we had another hospital here. Where's East Arm? I said, oh, East Arm Leprosarium. You could see them mm. physically step back because they frightened. And then others would say, aren't you frightened of getting something? Because they came out to us and then they would be isolated. And I would say no, because there people are having treatment. There's a lot of people that are walking around that don't even know yeah, that, that, that they have it. And that's how it's transmitted. And we used to even have when the refugees, because they had quarantine station up there and stuff, and we had some mob come in, Vietnamese mob come in, and we had one there staying there that we were treating. But we had to be very careful because he was highly contagious at the time. So we didn't get it. But we were trying to try and give him six weeks treatment before government sent him back because, you know, once he goes back, they wouldn't get it. Very scary. Would have been very scary back then. Well, because I worked there and I understood it, none of those things bothered me, you know. And in those days, this was before AIDS came on the scene or HIV. So we never wore gloves. You know, it, mm. it was nothing for us then be soaking their feet and pulling it out and cleaning it or cleaning this old man's hand and then because he got no fingers strapping on the thing so he can there. But it was okay. It didn't worry me and that's why I would take my own sons and they would come to work. So it was good education for them and good understanding. There, So it was nothing for them to come in the ward and they would see people walking around. But they never complained, you know. And mm. so it was good for my sons because they learned so much in terms of understanding because people can be cruel. Mm. It's a good point you make there, Bernie, because you felt comfortable and mm. confident about going about your work because you had the information, you had the knowledge, you had the awareness, so you felt safe mm. that you could still tend to your duties and you weren't concerned at all about getting leprosy no. because of touching. And you, when you look at that, and that's right back in the 70s and you look at scabies, there's still people today that will treat people with scabies, mm. like the old adage of don't treat me like a leper, mm. and then keep away cause thinking that they're going to get it. Mm. But it's this prolonged contact that you get scabies. And but I, unless they... they are given that knowledge to begin with yes. so they can then take charge of that's what's it. happening with them. And so that's where they become very disempowered. So, you know, with knowledge becomes power because then you make a choice, but it's an informed choice. And it's not somebody else's story, it's your story. But how often are they given the rights to be able to make an informed choice? I work in a lot of those places, mm. but I could see, you know, when they say, well, we didn't know that. But, I mean, I even, there was a medical doctor, he, he even ended up with scabies, him and his kids when he was working in one of those communities mm -hmm. because he would have been exposed to it and he, you know, all them lovely, but because you can pick them up and love them and all of that stuff. So they got it, but he didn't make a fuss and go, eh. you know, they get treated. And for people to see, well, you know, scabies don't discriminate. Yeah. It, you know, it just depends what knowledge you have in your head and, and where you're exposed you may get it. I mean, he had all the medical knowledge, but hello, him and his family did. Mm. No and fuss. I think the encouraging key message there is that if you have that knowledge, if you apply the treatment as, you, um, as you're as supposed to, then there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can have that beautiful skin tone and appearance and again, mm. you know. Mm. I feel good about that you're doing something for yourself because you know it can have... Uh, a beneficial effect at the end, you know? 
And you know why it's happening, not someone else doing something to you because this is this is good. You know, you might want an orange, but they say, no, orange, no good, you can have a apple. Or a billy goat plum. Billy goat plum, <laughs> yeah, now they call it kakadu plum. Will you? We grew kakadu up with plum. billy goat plum, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we was all healthy, vitamin C in them days. So your thoughts on scabies in the future, do you think we're on track to get rid of it? Well, I don't know. This is the way I'm sort of looking. I, I'm optimistic. If we do this properly, it can work. But going back to your point, Bernie, it's about community control. Do you know, the community have to own this? That's just quite not there at the moment. You know? And so if you embed this process, this approach, this system into the health system already, there might be a good chance. I think it all boils down to hygiene. Aboriginal people are always going to have overcrowding of houses. They can build another 20 houses. They'd still have no more houses next week, you know? Well, you look out, we lived years ago, our mob, you know, when they moved around and all that, and they were like nomads. You never had any of this. But now, you know, policies come in and then you all sit down in one place and then you've got to have this and that. But then what's happened in that time? What else do we have now? So we have these other chronic conditions. Scratching the Surface, the scabies story, produced by Skinny Fish Music for One Disease. You can download other episodes or the whole series from your favourite podcast provider. And for more information and resources, head to our website at onedisease.org.